I'm Dave. And I'm Nancy. And this is Middle-Aged Wisdom. Where we talk about mistakes we've made. Lessons we've learned. And sharing things we think are super cool. So you can get closer to living your best life. Welcome to episode 17 of the podcast, Middle-Aged Wisdom. It's November 2020, and it seems like this year is in fast forward as of November 1st. I don't know about you guys, but my girlfriends and I are talking about mantles and how to decorate the house for Christmas. Thanksgiving seems to be coming and going really, really fast. Is there going to be a Thanksgiving this year? No one really knows, but I do feel like everything's in fast forward. Yeah, we have things to be thankful for, but... Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's go mode now. I think we just want it to be over. <laughs> yes. We thought we would give you some ideas of ways to better yourself for the new year. We're always looking for opportunities for growth and maybe resolutions if you like to call them that. Yeah, so our idea for this episode to give you some ideas for areas where you could you could grow, where all of us could grow, are going to be based on a book I read uh, a little while back, and it's called What Got You Here? Won't Get You There by an author named Marshall Goldsmith. And really this book is centered around the idea that what makes you successful earlier in life and, and particularly earlier in your work life will not necessarily help you be successful later. And it really focuses on interpersonal behavior. So for instance, there can be sort of personality idiosyncrasies you have or nuances that you have that may not be problematic when you're an individual contributor of some sort or just right out of school. But when you become a leader or are trying to trying to lead teams or move up in your organization or whatever it is you're trying to do, if you become more of a leader, these things become a problem pretty quick and can hold you back. Right. So we have a few of our favorites that we chose. There's 20 in the book. We chose a few of our own, some things that we find we've been struggling with and are trying really hard to better. We have some that we've mastered and that we've really worked on hard and made it a part of our current life. And those things are a lot better in our lives now. So we want to share those with you. And then maybe some things that we've noticed in other groups that we've worked with that may resonate with some of you as well. Yeah, so 20 bad habits, we're not going to get into all of them, just a handful, but one that definitely we think kind of frames all of them really is one of the bad habits is an excessive need to be me. What does that mean? That means I'm here, world, deal with me. Yeah, tough stuff. If you don't like it, this is how I am. <laughs> <laughs> and doesn't necessarily work well if you're in a leadership role, right? So say you're in a group setting and you are, I don't know, a very um, dominant personality. And if you say to the group, this is how I am, I want you to do that, I want you to do that, I'm la 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 la, I'm not listening to you, <laughs> those types of things, it doesn't work well in a group. They'll feel stifled, they'll feel like they can't contribute the right things, and it won't work well for anyone. Yeah, and I think a point of improving with interpersonal behavior isn't to try to become somebody that you're not, but it is to try to be the most effective version of yourself that you can be in, a, in different situations because you'll be around all sorts of different people and all sorts of different situations. 
the natural impulses we all have to say certain things or act certain ways in different situations, part of what this is is showing restraint where you need to because it's like, oh man, I want to say this right now, but I know it's not a good idea. It's going to end badly. I need to, okay, whew, it's the, that internal gatekeeper needs to, needs to be active. And that's why this one frames the rest of them because a lot of them stem from this one particular bad habit. Yeah, because a little self-awareness goes a long way. And it's not just about getting to be an unfiltered version of yourself all the time. You can do that, but it's probably going to hold you back. Okay. So the first one, excessive need to be me. One of mine that is on my list was speaking when angry. And the reason I say this one is I don't get angry often. And I wouldn't even say angry is necessarily framed for myself. But speaking when I have a really positive or passionate answer, meaning that we're in a group, maybe somebody says something, and I really, really want to contribute myself, my whatever I'm saying, whatever my thought is. So it's kind of an aggression or aggressiveness sort of thing. Is that what you're meaning? I'm thinking about times when a patient may call and it always goes like this. They'll call and they'll ask to talk to me, um, whether they have an appointment and they missed it and they're getting charged the fee or they feel like, um, I don't know, maybe like things didn't go as planned with their treatment or whatever it is. And even if I had nothing to do with it, if I wasn't involved, if I wasn't the doctor, they always say, I need to talk to Dr. Gill. And meanwhile, you might have your hands in somebody's mouth, like right at that very moment. Right. And it <laughs> might be calling them back. Yeah. I mean, not, not necessarily that, but instantly I get a protective manner about my staff, right? I want to protect them. I want to prove that we're right, that we're the, you know, they didn't show up. They had five excuses before this, and this is their sixth excuse. And I feel really passionate about that. But you need to take a deep breath and reset. And I need to talk to them in a very civilized manner. And so for me, this is one of them that I have to work on and I have to be very cognizant of it whenever one of these instances happen. So is that, I, I, I think I've heard you talk about this before of how when you're at the height of your emotional reaction to something and you want to just go, you know, and just like get after somebody, right. how valuable it can be to pause and, right. and give yourself a certain amount of time before you return that phone call? Well, oftentimes I have done that before where I won't even call right away. I may, depending upon the nature of it, I may call at the end of the day when everybody else is gone and when I've had time to digest it. I may call the next morning when um, I've had time to sleep on it. Those types of things help so much to just pause, take a moment and just breathe through it and then reset once your emotion isn't talking. How valuable that can be to all of us all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel. Okay. Well, one for me is uh, another one of the 20 bad habits is one called adding too much value, which uh, the author describes as the overwhelming desire to add our two cents to every discussion. I happen to be on the extreme end of the extrovert scale. If anybody's ever taken a Myers-Briggs personality test, I'm as extroverted as it gets. So... If I have something to say or something to offer, I just vocalize a lot of the things I think. I which... would call you an oversharer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> an oversharer, okay. Now, when I'm 
younger in my career, that means I am very willing to speak up and it can make me stand out a little bit, right? Like, oh, look, he speaks his mind. He has things to offer and to contribute and being able to do that confidently, right? But as I've moved up in my career, especially when I'm working in group settings and especially when I might be working in a group that may have a bunch of younger staff, if I'm doing too much of that, contributing too much, adding too much value, quote unquote, it might be taking up too much of the airspace and stifling other people from contributing in meaningful ways. And so a thing I've definitely been working on, and it's kind of something I wanna work on for 2021 is becoming a better facilitator, which to me means in group settings, especially in creative endeavors or where you want people to contribute in a meeting, I wanna work on being a better facilitator. So a better, I don't know, a better asker of questions and, and generating conversation as opposed to being the person talking all the time. Well, that's such a huge part of being a leader too, is that leaders don't speak at people or or squawk at people. They actually want people to contribute and want to hear other people's opinions because that is what makes a healthy group. That what That's what makes an autonomous group that feels like they're making their own judgment calls on certain things. And they really have a unity with the company too because they feel like their voice matters. Yeah, they get to contribute. They're a part of the team. They have a voice. And that kind of leads us really well into another one of the 20 bad habits, which is not listening. I always say we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. I know mm -hmm. that people have said that before, but it's so true. When I was younger, I definitely had an issue with talking, 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 talking. We've talked about the DISC personality um, test before, and I'm a C, meaning that I love lots of science, lots of content, and I used to talk that way as and, well. And lots and lots of detail. <laughs> <laughs> right. We've talked about that before where yeah. I would tell a story to Dave and I tell him how many stoplights I went through and which turn I made and what I saw at the crossroads. And he'd say, oh, my gosh, Nance, get to the point of the story already. <laughs> yeah, because you're making me not be a good listener. <laughs> right. You're losing me. And so but. part of being a good listener is that when you speak, that you have efficient speaking, that you're asking the right questions and that you really listen to the person because what they have to say is oftentimes very, very important. And sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes what you have to say, maybe it's extraneous. Maybe it doesn't need to be said at that moment. Yeah, and a big part of that to me and piggybacking off of what you were saying is listening to understand versus listening and waiting for your turn to talk. Right. So it's instead of as the person's talking in your brain, you're already thinking of your response and just, just waiting for that them to take a breath and you just pounce. So true. Uh, instead of that, asking follow-up questions and digging a little deeper. It's amazing what you can learn if you dig a little deeper, ask questions, and it makes people feel good too because if you're always just hijacking a conversation, it can, I don't know, turn people off mm -hmm. and it'll limit your credibility with the people around you and your ability to lead them. Right. It, it's sometimes not even relevant. The questions that you're pre-planning, they're not even relevant. Mm -hmm. I have this funny thing I used to do when I wasn't such a confident person, when I was a little bit, maybe like not, um, not who I am today, maybe 10 years ago or so, Dave and I would go to a party and I would have a list of pre-planned questions. <laughs> 
I'd sit in the car and I'd say, okay, so we can ask this and we can ask that. And I'd be so set on asking these questions that I wouldn't, it would, it would probably come off as being so awkward and weird. Like you were an interviewer or something instead of just somebody you're having a conversation with. Like, are you like recording me or something? Like, is a life story? I don't know. Right. I've gotten so much better at that because I really take what the person is saying and learn about them and really digest what they're saying in order to ask a great follow-up question. Another one of mine that I would say is a bad habit and that I'm working on really, really hard, and I think I'm going to carry it over into 2021, is negativity, or let me explain why that won't work. That's how um, Marshall Goldsmith explains it. What that means is sometimes I think when you're older and you have some wisdom behind you, you're really set in things that you've done in the past that didn't work or maybe wasn't the right timing or or maybe systems that we've tried, all those types of things that you really get hard set on things that you've tried before that didn't work. And so it's really tough to control your instinct to say, I did that two years ago. We tried that four years ago. She did that before. She didn't do that before. Whatever it is, and it's really hard to control that urge to say those things. But it's so important in the growth of the people that are not the same rank as you or not the same age as you, that may not have the same history um, behind them, to make their own mistakes and to figure it out on their own. Um, and of course, not to hurt any part of the company or any part of the whole system together, but sometimes it's okay to make those mistakes. And you might be pleasantly surprised that things that maybe didn't work a while ago, now all of a sudden have a place and can work in a different way. And what can happen even worse is maybe people don't even believe you because you're like, okay, you tried it, but maybe it's different. And it reminds me of this really great quote about wisdom and how people arrive at wisdom. And it's from an author named Herman Hess, and this is from a book called Siddhartha. All right, the quote is this. Wisdom cannot be imparted. Wisdom that a wise man attempts to impart always sounds like foolishness to someone else. Knowledge can be communicated, but not wisdom. One can find it, live it, do wonders through it, but one cannot communicate and teach it. What that quote says to me is that, yes, it's one thing to have some wisdom and have some history behind you, but at the same time, the other person will never gain the wisdom because they weren't allowed to make mistakes or they weren't allowed to impart their will on something. To try some things. Right. Right. If they never get to. Right. Yeah. Then that person will never gain that. So you're actually robbing them from that component of their growth. Yeah, a little bit. Always a balance though. You don't want them trying something that's going to tank the company, but uh, yeah, you got to give people a little bit of little bit of latitude. Right. Okay. So another one that really speaks to me, another one of the 20 bad habits, it's called starting with no, but, or however. But what? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is a big thing for me. So I work on a lot of complicated projects and creativity is so invaluable to finding the right solution to optimizing solutions and in group settings i'm really big on people creating a an atmosphere of openness and people being able to safely voice any idea that comes to mind even if it's a bad idea and without fear of ridicule or being made fun of 
And a big thing I, I don't like, and I don't think I do this too much, but I've noticed it occasionally with some other people I've worked around, is I'll throw out an idea just, just to generate creativity, and they'll say, but, or they'll say, no, this, or however. And as soon as they do that, I'm like, mm, okay, I guess I'm, that just shut me down. I guess I'm going to be quiet now. Right. You, you have stifled me. And so many times when somebody says something like that, that person does. They're like, why bother? Why bother even saying anything? I'm just going to be shot down anyways. There's no use of me even putting my two cents in because no one's going to accept my thought anyway. Yeah, so to be an effective leader, be constructive. Yes. And build. Be building off people's ideas. As soon as you say words like no, but, or however, it's going to cut people off really quickly. Or why, why is that the best option? Or what would you do with that? Or a follow-up question that may engage them to say something more. Yeah, tell me more. Tell me more. Right. Or why, why do you think that's a good idea? Right. The last one we're going to talk about is claiming credit that we don't deserve. I feel like I've really tried really hard this year to really work on this one. And the one thing I try to do is if we're in a group and I didn't have the idea or I didn't set forth the process or system or whatever it was, I try really, really hard to give credit when credit is due. So I'll often say, oh, I think you guys have so-and-so to thank because this person did all of this work. Um, because it really takes a village to make a company and an organization work. It's not done by one person. One person may be a leader or there may be several leaders, but it certainly takes a village to make it all come together and to make it successful. Yeah, because so few things happen by themselves. And Oh my gosh, if you are very quick to say I did something and you use the word I a lot instead of we, that's another thing that may serve you well when you're younger in your career. But later on, if you keep doing that, and especially if you're working in teams, boy, that is gonna, that's going to tick people off and it's going to reduce your credibility with people really fast. And one avenue of this that I, I always kind of stress about, I have a little anxiety, so I'll post stuff on social media, usually LinkedIn, but it might be about some project I worked on and I, I'm always trying to be really diligent about adding every the all of the organizations and or people that I can think of that contributed to whatever I'm showing. But oh my gosh, nine times out of ten I forget somebody and I just I always feel so awful. And and so the point is not to be perfect with this, but like to do your best to make sure you're a we person and not and not an I person. Because if you are taking credit solely or even where maybe it's not even deserved, that will diminish your credibility as a leader real fast. And that's where Marshall Goldsmith came up with this idea was he had a lot of successes in his life and he was noticing that on a CEO level that a lot of the CEOs that he would witness didn't have a lot of these habits. They were actually the bad habits. And so they were using a lot of the eyes and they were using a lot of the excuses or blame or whatever it was. And at that level, you cannot get a cohesive team if you don't involve everyone and give everybody a little bit of autonomy and encourage them to really be a part of the team. So he was coaching CEOs to be more effective at their jobs he was. And, and using these as the examples of things that they were doing that was kind of hurting their business. Exactly. And themselves. Right. So I think that in general, 
having self-awareness is so important. Um, it's something that Dave and I, I think, it's when you hear about marriages and you make the other person better, it's the one thing that I think most of all we have made each other better at is self-awareness and becoming better people and really having that safe zone to point out things because I always want to know, you know, if after a party, I'll always say, was I too talkative or I drank an extra glass of wine? <laughs> Did I say things too much? Did I interview that person with too many canned questions that I came in with before the party? And sometimes the questions or the answers, yes, because wine does sometimes make you do that. But in general, I think it's really nice to have that safe partner to bounce those things off of because you have to have a level of trust in order to do that with a person. And I think a point you're making, which I think is huge, is self-awareness often doesn't just come on its own. You, you often need people to point these things out to you that you do that are easy to not realize you're doing them right. until somebody points them out. It could be through a 360 review at work or a trusted uh, somebody trusted in your life that will be and can be honest with you, but it's important to be open to those things if you want to improve yourself. So in conclusion, we are, we're reviewing the book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. It was written by Marshall Goldsmith. We highly recommend reading the entire book because there's so many habits that we didn't get to today. Um, but I do think that they're a great foundation for really starting some really great new habits in the new year. Because a little self-awareness goes a long way. <laughs>